throw a bonus episode out there for our Become Like Jesus class to get some uh, of the practical aspects of beginning new habits or disciplines uh, in our lives. As we're crafting a rule of life, I think there's a a lot of helpful things uh, out there, tools, resources, ways to think about habits that make it way easier if you are looking to start a new habit. I know a lot of us shared at the beginning of the class that there have been seasons where you know we do a discipline for a while and we love it, see fruit, all that, but then you know it fades away. And I think some of this habit formation stuff we'll see uh, kind of why that might be the case. Uh, to start, I have some groundbreaking news for you. Goals, as it turns out, are not very helpful. Goals are out, habits are in. Uh, I say that kind of joking because it's not really groundbreaking anymore. You know, habits have been on trend for a while now, about 10 years. I think kind of around the time when The Power of Habit came out is a Charles Duhigg book uh, in 2012, um, which is why we're talking about a rule of life and disciplines rather than, you know, setting spiritual goals. And, you know, it's it, it should cause us to giggle a little bit that the broader world is like getting into habits when we can look at 2,000 years of church history that has been all about habits. Uh, That's what spiritual disciplines are, essentially. First, let me just touch base on a few of the limits or issues with goals. Uh, Goals are about results rather than the process of getting results. Uh, This is similar to the concept of a system. You know, the system of your life produces results. Uh, The system of your life is perfectly suited right now to keep giving you the results that you're seeing. Uh, so to change the goal or have desired different results is good, of course, but if we're not willing to look at the process, then the odds are we're not going to achieve them. To say it another way, if you didn't think about goals at all, but instead just looked at developing the best process that you could, would you still get results? Yes, I think so. If you wanted to be healthier and you set no goals for specific weight loss or how far you wanted to be able to run or anything like that, but instead you changed how you eat, uh, what you bought at the store, and set, settled on you know a good workout routine or a simple running route or something, and then you just live your life, you more likely will become way healthier and lose weight. Uh, goals, you know, can have some use in maybe setting direction. You know, whether you're not whether you're trying to gain muscle or lose fat, uh, you know, it's helpful to know like what you're going for and set it, set up your process appropriately. But without a clear process through accessible, doable habits, your goal is not worth much. Uh, an example from my life is that uh, on my, this is so funny, it's embarrassing to say, on my broken road to learning, you know, just how to have a healthy uh, weight and workout routine and all that stuff, I tried this thing called diet bet where you would put money in a pot with a bunch of other random people on the internet and set a weight goal and if you hit your weight goal you'd split the pot with other people who hit their weight goal and if you didn't then you wouldn't get your money back and I at the time I was like this is really gonna motivate me I was in seminary we didn't have a lot of money to waste or whatever and so I was like this is really gonna to have the goal to lose this weight so I don't (laughs) lose the money I thought would do the trick but having the goal even with lots of motivation to not lose money uh, wasn't that helpful because I didn't have a process I didn't have a a clear plan or habits in place of what I ate and what choices I made regarding exercise Uh, so the second limit of goals is to do is that goals do weird things uh, with our concept of happiness and contentment Uh, kind of like implicitly a goal has the assumption that once I reach my goal, then I'll be happy or then I'll be content or, or, you know, I'll get some payout. 
Uh, you know, I, I once knew a guy who was working insane hours while he was married with little kids because he had this, you know, inspirational eight-year goal of having a certain amount of money. And so he was living this this really unhealthy life uh, is all out of whack uh, during the most, you know, arguably the most important years of his kids' lives because he had this, like, goal. And so we kind of, like, delay a balanced life or healthy rhythms because we're just trying to, like, reach a goal. And we miss kind of the... Uh, the trees through the forest, I suppose. And it, similarly, it's a, it's a narrow version of happiness. You know, if I lose 20 pounds, then I am successful. If I don't lose 20 pounds, then I've failed versus like I'm eating better, I'm gaining muscle, I have more energy than I've had since high school. So regardless of what the sa- scale says, you know, these habits are producing good results. Uh, it's, a, it's a much more broad, inclusive understanding of success rather than like a very narrowly focused goal you know the obvious example from you know spiritual disciplines is like my goal is to to read the bible in a year which is a great thing to do or whatever but you know if like you know you're on track then you feel good if you're not on track then you feel bad uh you know you you could obviously do that and not grow in love or intimacy with god or whatever it's a very narrow uh you know understanding of success or happiness i could go on but i think you see some of the limits of focusing on goals the defining truism of my life is that our choices become habits, our habits become our character, and our character determines our destiny. That's like a mashup of a few different quotes from John Mark Comer and a couple other people. But I love that idea because it connects these tiny choices we make, these habits uh, that, that we then form uh, into the grand question of destiny. I believe that it's true that in many ways our lives are really a collection of habits, the result of our habits. So let me unpack some biblical uh, truths, a biblical understanding of habits, uh, and then we'll look at neuroscience and also behavioral science behind habits, uh, and then try to land the plane on some really uh, practical aspects. I think one of the most helpful texts in scripture to understand the nature of uh, habits and just like the nature of what it means to be a human filled with the spirit as a as a Jesus follower is in Galatians 5 and Galatians 6. Galatians 5, 16 through 25 says this, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these things are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And then Galatians 6 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But to the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. The big idea here is that through our habits, we are we are choosing, we're either 
sowing to the flesh or sowing to the spirit. We are walking by the spirit or we're walking by the flesh. That's, that's the idea behind habits. Uh, and Paul is admonishing us, calling us, and just telling us how life works as a Jesus follower. And this is really beautiful and powerful, that the spirit of the eternal God, something so grand and mysterious, is something that we can experience and tap into through little simple choices and habits. The scary list of the works of the flesh and the beautiful list of the fruit of the spirit are are in this imagery of sowing, like seeds that we are planting in the soils of our souls through choices that we make and the habits that determine the fruit, the results that we see. And even though we uh, you know, might be saved or objectively, positionally in Christ or whatever, the, the fruit, the results that we see are going to de- be determined by uh, the degree to which we obey Scripture, the de- degree to which we are sowing and walking in step with the Spirit. In our discussion of the spiritual disciplines, that's exactly what we're talking about. We, this was kind of our theology of the disciplines uh, in part, is that they make us available to the Holy Spirit to cultivate the, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all that kind of stuff. Whereas other habits, other, you know, quote-unquote disciplines, if you will, you know, lots of social media, TV, movies that will you know, foster envy and um, rivalries and lust, you know, not to mention, you know, pornography, which would probably fall into the category of orgies. Listen here in the passage, you know, God is not mocked. We sow what we reap. And if we sow to the spirit, we will receive eternal life, as it says here. Now, depending on your background, eternal life means I go to heaven when I die. And while that's not wrong, I also think it's not fully right. It misses something. As Dallas Willard talks about the eternal life, he, he describes it as the eternal kind of life that we can have now, i.e. the beautiful fruit of the Spirit that come from abiding in life with God under his rule and the power of the Spirit. And this is where our destiny comes into play. Our choices become habits, become character, the type of person we are. We are someone of love or someone of envy and rivalry. Uh, that, that determines the degree to which we experience the eternal kind of life or the opposite of that you know, remember, Paul is not talking to non-Jesus followers here. He's writing to the church. He's talking to people who are seeking to follow Jesus and have the Spirit, who have been saved by the sovereign grace of God and given the Spirit. They're, they're regenerated, you know, so they are no longer a slave to sin, uh, no longer a slave to that scary list of, you know, the, the corruption of the flesh. But now we have the capacity to sow to the Spirit and become the kind of people who would enjoy life with God forever. A deeply tragic thing, you know, that I saw in my last church was a small group of people who had been part of the church for 60 years, uh, but were much more defined by that first list, the, the, the list of the works of the flesh, than the second list. Even though they attended church faithfully, had heard thousands of sermons, but they thought they were secure because, you know, they prayed a prayer back in Sunday school as a kid. And this is, you know, a bit theologically debatable, I suppose, but I, for one, do not believe that we just can live in the flesh with no repentance or noticeable growth and love, joy, peace, and all the fruit of the Spirit and assume that when we die, all of a sudden, you know, there's just like this magical transformation and we're sanctified and glorified all in one shot. You know, to, to say it another way, are we becoming the kind of people who would delight to be in heaven, to, to delight to have eternal life with God under his rule and reign forever, where we're beholding the face of God, enraptured in his beauty, submitting to his sovereignty uh, and, and enjoying his glory? 
Or are we becoming people for whom that understanding of heaven would literally be hell? To summarize, our choices and habits are the real life way, the real nitty-gritty way that we sow to the spirit, sow to the flesh. It shapes us to reap a reward of the eternal kind of good life with God or reap corruption and destruction, as the text says. Now let's talk briefly about neuroscience. The idea in neuroscience that I think is helpful for this discussion is automaticity, which is obvious. Like, you know, we, we see it everywhere. It means, you know, our brains are designed to automate different activities that we do regularly so that, you know, we don't have to consciously think how to hold a fork when we eat or how to, you know, hold a pen when we write or what to, how to move our lips when we want to talk. We just do it automatically. And our fearfully and wonderfully made bodies and brains, they can automate actions without us having to consciously think about them. So, you know, we're not crazy people trying to tell our hearts to beat, you know, every second or something. And we can give our attention to other things. You know, the classic example is driving home from work. You know, you do the drive every day. And sometimes after a long day, you're kind of brain fried and you pull up to your house and you're like, I don't remember anything about the drive like do I need to check the front bumper for blood because I could have ran someone over our bodies can get to the point where without us hardly thinking about it we can navigate you know a two-ton vehicle many miles at 70 miles an hour it's the power of habit that over time we can choose actions that become automated in our bodies and this is uh, something that God has given us and they can carry us even when we're not thinking or even when we're tired and of course, this can be good or bad. You know, if at high school and college, you know, you got into the habit of looking at porn most nights or responding to loneliness or fatigue or fear, you know, by just that kind of ejection button of oblivion, that can become a habit for just how you naturally respond to those emotions. And before you're even aware of it, you know, or what you're doing, you're scrolling something sketchy on Instagram. Or if you've chosen to reach for a Psalter and read a Psalm every night when you get into bed, it eventually becomes something that you do without even thinking about it, something that you look forward to. And your body automatically just pulls from the Word of God, sits with the Word of God who loves us, who hears us, and we hold Him before our minds as we fall asleep. What kind of people, what kind of people will we become based on those two habits? If you make the goal to do something, odds are it will require a lot of willpower and conscious effort. But if you do little choices, little habits, baby steps, uh, you can be the kind of person who, you know, automatically wakes up and prays or automatically, you know, goes to the gym after work. And guys, this isn't a self-help strategy. I think this is science showing us a beautiful way that God has made our bodies so that they can become a resource. They can become a, a, a powerhouse to help us follow Jesus and become like him. Next, I want to talk a little bit about the behavioral scientists or behavioral science. Uh, this is a relatively new field, uh, but it's really fun to look into kind of most famously in the mainstream. B.J. Fogg wrote a book called Tiny Habits that's super helpful. Uh, he is the founder of the Behavior Design Lab. I think that's crazy that that exists. It's at Stanford out in California. There's just a ton of practical help for us as we seek to trust and believe Jesus in real ways, like in, in real, real habits. So what I love about it is that it's a formula. In Tiny Habits, B.J. Fogg, he, he describes the formula as this. Behavior equals motivation equals ability and prompt. It spells BMAP. 
So behavior equals motivation, ability, and prompt. So what we do is a result or rises out of this combination, this equation of our of the degree to which we desire to do it, uh, how hard it is to do something, like is it something that requires a, a lot of ability or is it easy, and then a prompt reminding us to do it. And all those things need to align appropriately. And I think this is helpful because it, it, it's an opportunity to show us grace. We show grace to ourselves when we consider the things that we are doing that we don't want to do and the things that we want to do that we aren't doing. We can consider BMAP, you know, like are the things that we want to do just we've set up our lives to where they're really hard, you know, to do or the things that we do not want to do, you know, are really easy and downstream just because they're like right in front of us all the time. This is the classic like having junk food all over your house or whatever if you see any of those article clickbait articles like is your house making you fat and you know it's just like well yeah if you have to like constantly say no to junk food that's everywhere anyways here's how bmap works if motivation is high then it's okay for there to be a low ability or, or uh, a, a difficult uh, to to do something Meaning, like, I really wanted to marry Camille, very high motivation, but even though she lived in a different state, I put all kinds of time and money into going to see her. But say it's something you're not super motivated to do, like maybe you're out of shape and you, you want to go to the gym, um, you know, but of course there's a big part of you that just wants to be cozy and not do that. And so, you, you know, you wake up early, you get out of bed, you're like, you're groggy, you feel gross. Uh, and then you, you know, your workout shoes are in the bottom of the closet underneath a million pairs of your kids' shoes and your gym card is somewhere, you know, in the junk drawer in the kitchen and, you know, and then your phone beeps and you sit down and you end up just kind of getting lost in Instagram or something on your phone and then all of a sudden it's time for work and you didn't go work out. Uh, so that's where like BMAP, you know, the behavior like didn't happen because your motivation was low and then the, the, your ability to do it uh, was, was also low uh, because you, you had to, it required a lot of uh, obstacles to overcome or to say it another way, it required, uh, you know, a high, high capacity to like actually dig through the closet and, you know, find all, you know, the stuff in the drunk drawer. Instead, what if the night before you put out your workout clothes right by your bed? So you just get up and you put them on. Uh, shoes and all and your gym passes on your keychain next to the door and your phone is off and silent in a drawer and so you literally just hear the alarm that's the prompt and you get dressed and go to the gym there's no decisions nothing to look for like you just you know go straight forward into the habit that you want to form so you'd have, you would have lowered the difficulty lowered the ability needed to get to the gym so even if you're groggy and you're not that motivated uh, you can still do it it takes less motivation to overcome uh, the, 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 the low ability. Malcolm Gladwell tells the story in his book uh, called Talking to Strangers about the, the kind of gas that was used to fuel ovens back in London uh, way back in the day uh, before they switched to natural gas. It was the kind of gas that could kill you if you stuck your head in the oven and it would feel just like falling asleep. And London saw this huge spike in suicides of housewives during this time, that this, that the time that this gas was being used. And then the city switched over to natural gas, what we use today, which can't kill you if you stick your head in the oven. And what they saw was the rate of suicide went down drastically. I think traditional thinking would, would follow that if someone is depressed and wants to kill themselves, it will happen no matter what. But there's many different examples of this phenomenon that show BMAP works 
the behavior out, that the, the behavior of suicide is directly connected to how hard and painful it is to kill yourself. You know, I doubt there was any real substantial change in, you know, life satisfaction of housewives in London when they switched instantly to, you know, natural, natural gas. But when your options go from just like falling asleep in your kitchen to having to do something more violent or more painful, it requires a much higher level of motivation. I find that stuff so interesting because I honestly, maybe this isn't the right word for it, but I, I hear so much grace in it. The goal is never for us to be immune or just float up float above our environments or circumstances like without desires or whatever like should i be able to just resent resist junk food by sheer force of will even though you know there's a huge plate of cookies in right on the counter that i see and walk past constantly or should i be able to resist lust even though it's only a couple of taps away you know there was an old guy i talked to in this uh anti-pornography task force thing I was a part of and he talked about how he got addicted to porn when you when he had to like get in his car and drive to a store and like purchase pornography from another person like with cash you know now it's like in all of our pockets you know all the time for free or whatever uh, so that that changes you know and, and con consequently we've seen you know porn addiction go from small to like at literally everyone <laughs> Uh, so we can raise the ability that it takes to sin and lower the ability that it takes to do the habits we want to do and giving our ourselves space for our weaknesses and and support uh, in, in grace as we seek to follow Jesus, become more like him. So practically speaking, as we're seeking to embrace new habits in our rule of life and become like Jesus, there are two things I want to put before you. Obviously, there's a lot more we can maybe talk about in the class, but two things that I think will help sow to the spirit uh, through the disciplines. The first one is make a plan, and the second one is get rid of obstacles. There was a, a fascinating study in the UK about exercise habits with three groups of people. This is from the book Atomic Habits. The first group just tracked how often they exercised. The second group tracked their workouts uh, and also read some material about all the benefits of exercise. And the third group got the same info about exercise benefits of the second group, but they were asked to schedule it. Specifically, they were asked to complete the sentence. During the next week, I will partake in at least 20 minutes of vigorous ex exercise on this day, at this time, in this place. So I will exercise at 7 a.m. on my rowing machine in my garage on Tuesday. In groups one and two, only 35% and 38% of people exercised. The people who had more information, they saw that there's a 3% increase, that's it. In group three, 91% of the people exercised. Guys, that is huge, that is a huge difference. There, this is a lot of behavioral psychology in this strategy, but it's really simple. You know, I will do this behavior at this time in this location. So that's a clear plan in your schedule, makes a huge difference. So if you're looking at crafting a rule of life, you know, instead of saying, I need to read the Bible in a year, you would say, you know, my, my daily scripture practice is for, you know, 20 minutes. That's the behavior. 7 a.m. Monday through Friday, that's the time in my favorite reading chair in the living room. That's my, that's my location. So it's like a behavior, a time, and a place. You know, if you're in the Word a hundred minutes a week, that is beautiful. That's a lot of sweet time soaking in God's reality, making 
making it through the Bible or keeping up with a plan is way less important. And if you miss a morning, you know, you're not like behind, like you don't need to do 40 minutes the next day. You just pick up where you left off. No shame, no guilt, no catch up. Uh, just get back straight into the habit. You know, you can do this with silence and solitude. You can do this with fasting. Uh, you know, all, all these different, all the different uh, disciplines that we've looked at in, in the class. You just put like a behavior, a specific practice, you know, not just generally like I'm going to fast generally, but it's like I'm going to do without food or simplicity, whatever it is. It's a specific discipline uh, in a time, uh, in a place. Super simple and I think super powerful uh, to just get practic practical and make the habit uh, the focus rather than the goal. It's way cozier to just settle in to 20 minutes with God and his word and just to let him make his word uh, wash over us rather than, you know, trying to like get the chapters done uh, or whatever. The second practical tip uh, kind of flowing from BMAP is to remove obstacles. You know, to continue with their Bible reading habit, it might be to have your Bible right next to your favorite chair with a bookmark uh, right where you need to read next. You know, maybe you get a separate Bible just for this. So you can have one that you maybe take to work or keep in your backpack or bring to church or whatever. And so you just have one that's just like always there by the chair. Uh, or might be to set the coffee maker the night before so you don't have to make coffee first and then get distracted with the dishes. And, you know, you, instead you can just wake up, coffee's brewed, you pour the coffee and you read the Bible. That's, that's glory right there. I love that. Uh, or maybe, you know, with hospitality, you need to like get paper plates or... Uh, that you know compostable ones of course we don't want to be wasteful uh, and you know or set a day of the month that you're going to have people over so you know you don't get bogged down in like the schedule rigmarole roll back and forth where you know requires like 18 text messages to like find a time you can get together it's just like hey this day and this time do you want to come over and you know find someone that can come over in that time uh, and then you know maybe you make the same meal every time you know, you, you have people over, so you don't have to, like, think think about it or follow a recipe. You just, like, do it. And a pro tip uh, from my life, uh, chicken tacos, like crockpot chicken tacos with a can of beans is, like, the most bulletproof hospitality recipe ever. It's, like, super simple. You know, you just throw it in there and, and go, and, like, it fits all the different boxes. Like, Jews and Muslims can eat chicken. You know, vegetarians, gluten-free, keto, you can find, you know, like, taco shells or you know avocado and vegetables or you, you know and beans or whatever it can it can fit all the different dietary needs so take it or leave it it's the perfect meal but i hope this habit stuff is half exciting to you guys as it is to me you know if you're crafting a rule of life i'd encourage you to make a very specific plan uh, for what when where you're gonna practice uh, do do a practice and then uh, you know consider what kind of prep would be uh, involved for removing obstacles and just make it more automatic, you know, set up your environment so that it, it kind of pushes you towards the habits that you want to form. So I hope that's helpful. Love you guys. And I'll see you on Wednesday.